And thank you for tuning in our podcast as well. Amen. 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 Can we open up in a word of prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, we just thank you where two or three are gathered. You're here in our midst. <laughs> we are a faith-filled bunch, and you are welcome in this place. We give you all the praises. Hallelujah to Jesus. Holy Spirit, infiltrate this place in Jesus' precious name. We cover this place in Jesus' name, free from any outside distraction or hindrance of any kind in the blood of Jesus. We bless you, Father. We thank you, Lord. Bless you, Father. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. I am going to give this microphone right over to Brother Terry and Renee, if you don't mind. And uh, we'll, we're going to take up an offering at the end for them. Um, so we'll do that at the end. But, um, and I'll give you some information into their ministry as well. You can visit them at terrymize.com. And if you'd like to partner with them just ahead of time, you can visit that website. And there's, if you scroll down, there's a Learn More link for partnership. And I encourage you to partner with their ministry. We are partners with them, and we are very blessed. <laughs> so praise God. It matters who you partner with in life. Praise God forevermore. So without further ado, please welcome Reverend Terry and Renee Mize. Thank you so much. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. Isn't the Lord good? He's good. Amen. Say this with me. I know God is good. I know God is good. And I know His Word is truth. And I know His Word is truth. Amen. It's not true. It's truth. Jesus said in John 17, Father, Thy Word is truth. I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, I discovered that scripture in John 17. And it just made life get easier. When I realized that everything in the Bible, Jesus said, Father, thy word is truth. And I realized as a teenager, as a kid, I thought, if I can find it in the Bible, I can take it to the bank. I mean, if I can find it in the Bible, I know I know that it's, it's the word of God is truth. Amen. Praise the Well, it's a delight to be here and appreciate the opportunity to be here. And, and of course, we love uh, uh, Elisha. And, Reverend, you've been reverendized since I left, saw you, haven't you? And uh, Clarissa and the girls, praise the Lord. And uh, appreciate uh, the invitation and appreciate kind words about partnership. You know, I was thinking this morning, I, I have been partnering with uh, uh, a number of ministries since I was a teenager. And, uh, and, and one particular minister, we were at their ministry the other day, uh, just re real recently, and uh, and they said to me, Terry, how long have you been partnering with me? You've been my partner forever. And so I got to figuring it up. And I said, I've been your partner for 48 years. Yeah. And you know, partnership is just a pretty good deal. And it's biblical. It's all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. And I actually have a series you can get if you're interested or look it up uh, uh, called uh, the, the Impact and Importance of Partnership. And I tell you, it has blessed my life all these many, 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 many years. And I, like I said, I started partnering with some ministries when I was a teenager. And, and some of them I didn't keep it up because I didn't know any better and, and I got drafted in the army so I quit partnering while I was in the army and then I, you know, I started up again and then some ministries I partnered with until they passed away and so I, I quit partnering with them and then other, others passed away but their son was still going so I just stayed with it and uh, so partnership is something that's, that's so powerful that was sweet of you to say Elisha and I'm delighted that Pastor Henry and Tony are here they're dear 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 friends and wonderful people and and uh, I always laugh and say that uh, Art Aragon 
and Henry Paez are Renee's heroes. And uh, when I saw Henry here today, I said, well, Renee won't pay attention to me today since you're here. Because when we first got married, you know, I was married 44 years to my wife, Jackie. She was married 44 years to her husband, Dean. And the four of us were best friends. And Dean was my, my very best friend and hunting buddy and fishing buddy. But he died. And the very next year, she died. Jackie died. And so uh, they left us lemons, so we got married and made lemonade. So we've just had our, our sixth anniversary. We haven't been married very long. People see us in restaurants and on airplanes and see the gray hair. Not, not on Renee, but on me. And, uh, <clears throat> and they think we've been married a long time, you know. And they say, oh, how long have y'all been married? And I say, six years. But, uh, but uh, I tell people we've been married 94 years because Jackie and I were married 44. They were married 44. That's 88. And then we've been married six. That's 94. So, uh, but anyway, we had just gotten married six years ago. And, uh, <clears throat> and I had a conference to, uh, to speak at in Mexico City. Uh, with Brother Wayne Myers, who I'm sure you've heard a lot about. In fact, that's where I met Elisha uh, several years after that. Uh, he had gone down with uh, and, uh, Brother Henry and, 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 and Pastor Henry and Pastor Art, and so we met and became friends there. But uh, anyway, that year, Renee was kind of, you know, kind of, I don't know, had a few trepidations because she, she and Dean pastored for, for 38 years in Corpus Christi, Texas, and she knew lots of people, but they were all in the Texas area, in Houston and Corpus Christi, and that, so she's always said all her exes were still in Texas. <coughs> but, uh, but uh, and I'd travel around the world, so I had friends everywhere. And so she was kind of, kind of, you know, thinking, well, you know, everywhere I go, people are going to compare me to Jackie. I mean, everybody loves Jackie. And, and so she thought, everybody's going to compare me to Jackie. And here, Brother Wayne is Terry's mentor and hero. And, and Terry's known him since, he, since, since I, Terry, was 18 years old. And he's just uh, my father in the faith. So she was thinking, I hope they like me. And, you know, and I hope all these people like me. Well, when we got down there, I immediately got busy with uh, Wayne depends on me a lot to do things. He'll say, Terry, do this or do that. And I was speaking as well. And then, uh, and then when Brother Wayne to get up to even go to the bathroom, I always get up and take him, you know, and just, just attend to his needs and see to him. And so I was not with her a lot, which is unusual. But, uh, but so she was just kind of like there in this big convention. And, uh, and Brother Henry and Brother Art just, just locked into her and just uh, Henry translated for her because she didn't yes, speak Spanish. Yes. He interpreted for her. And, uh, and then she, he and Art were, were just so kind to her that uh, they just, uh, she latched on to them and she wouldn't let them go. <laughs> they <laughs> and spoke it was, English. <laughs> yeah. It was like there's 80 million people in, in, uh, uh, in Mexico and she, they were her two favorite. <clears throat> but anyway, everybody loved her and Wayne and Martha loved her and so she got over that, but she still, she hadn't got over Brother Henry and Brother Arch yet. So, <laughs> so anyway, their kindness was uh, something she'll never, ever, ever, ever forget. So, but anyway, we're delighted you're here. And uh, excited about the fact that you're here, and we're uh, we're ministering tomorrow morning for Pastor Art. You know, when we were here in July, Amazing. we ministered for you guys on a Saturday, and then we went and ministered for Art on two services on Sunday. And uh, and they were really good. God anointed them, and heaven fell and kissed the earth, and we got caught right in the middle of the smack. And uh, so as soon as we got home back to Oklahoma, uh, Art called us. And he said, he said, you have got to come back. He said, I want to schedule you for October. And he said, you left such an apostolic de uh, deposit in the church and, 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 and just blessed the church and just changed things so much. He said, I want you to come back in October, and then I want you to come back in January and do like a four-day meeting. 
And so, uh, so here it is, October, and we're here. But, uh, but we're uh, we're excited about being here and delighted. That trip we had here to California, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we, you know, everything was just shut down. And so uh, Renee and I had just sat at home in Tulsa, and we had enjoyed being with the kids and grandkids, and we'd gone to the lake, you know, and taken the boat to the lake and gone fishing and gone tubing and just, you know, had some really good times, which we normally don't get to do because we travel so much. We average about four days a month being at home. And so here all of a sudden we were just home. And every meeting was canceled in the States, and every meeting was canceled overseas. And a, a huge Pakistan crusade was for May, where I was going to have 100,000 people, Muslims in the crowd, uh, got canceled. And so we were just bummed out about all that, about not being able to minister to people, and especially the sinners. I mean, if I didn't come minister for you or for, you know, or for Pastor Arts Church, no big deal because you're all Christians and you die, you're going to go to heaven. But, but those, uh, if you don't hear me, no big deal. But, but those 100,000 Muslims that were going to come to the crusade in Pakistan, I just have grieved over it ever since May. I've grieved over it and said, Lord, if they die, they'll go to hell. If they die, they'll go to hell. And uh, <clears throat> so, what else did you get for Christmas? <laughs> but, um, in fact, I remember saying to you uh, that I hope, I trust, if any good at all, if anything good at all comes out of, of, of the COVID-19 and the shutdown, if anything good comes out of it, I, I hope it's that the church wakes up and realizes we haven't been able to do missions. That those 100,000 people, if they die, they'll go to hell. That, that, that the, the meetings we had in Romania were canceled, the meetings we had in Malta were canceled, the meetings we had in Mexico, several meetings in Mexico canceled, meeting in Pakistan canceled. And, and those meetings I grieve over because uh, those people would have heard the gospel and gotten saved. And, uh, and so we, we just grieved over that. But anyways, we sit around the house in Tulsa and just said, this isn't right. We're enjoying being home. We're enjoying sleeping in our own bed. We're enjoying going to the lake. We're enjoying the kids. We're enjoying the grandkids. But it's just not right. <clears throat> and so we got the scripture out in Acts, I think, 15, where, where uh, the apostle Paul one day turned to his preaching buddy, Barnabas, and said, hey, <laughs> you know, let's, let's go check on some of our partner churches and just travel and strike out in faith. And, and he said in King James, says, and see how they do. And let's encourage them and strengthen them. And Renee and I just looked at each other and said, let's do that. Let's just strike out in faith and just go encourage some partner churches. And so I just sent a, sent a text out to about, oh, I don't know, about seven or eight, seven pastors in California that are partners. And then sent a text out to a couple in uh, 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 Oregon and in Washington State. And because we said, well, let's just go where it's hard on the church. We said, where is it the hardest on the church right now? We said, well, it has to be New York City or the West Coast. And so we said, well, let's go to the West Coast. And so we just texted him and said, we're just going to strike out by faith in our pickup. We're not going to take the airlines. We're just going to drive so we can be wherever we need to be whenever we need to be there. And uh, if we can preach for you, fine. If we can't preach for you, that's fine, too. If we can preach online or preach in person, that's all fine. But, but if we can't preach, we're just going to take you out to lunch and just going to love on you and encourage you and bless you. And so we just took off. And, 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 and I mean, within an hour of me sending that text, five pastors had already responded and said, come here. You know, if you're coming, come. Come to me. And so we, uh, we went from, from Tulsa to across and up to Oregon and, and back down to San Diego and back up here. And, and, and so uh, we just uh, were able to minister 
And several pastors, we just took them to lunch because we couldn't preach for them. They couldn't have service or weren't having services, so we just took them to lunch and, and loved on them and blessed them and gave some of them offerings. And, and I told them in the text, I said, I'm not coming for an offering. I'm not expecting you to pay my expenses. We're just coming. And uh, we're going to strike out in faith and see how you do and, in, and encourage you. And that was such a blessed trip. In fact, the pastor in San Diego we were with, just before we were with you, uh, he said, Terry, you've given me my church back. I got my church back. And, and then Pastor Art wrote us that, uh, called us and said, you've got to come back. And so, so we were just so blessed uh, to be able to come and to minister and to, to love on you guys and other people. And, and just, uh, uh, we're just, we just refuse to not let the church's voice be heard. And, uh, and God, God, God never intended to have a shutdown. And, and I hope if anything good comes out of this thing, it'll be at the church and say, oh, my Lord people went to hell because of this we we didn't do missions we didn't get to do missions so so because we've got to do missions and be about the master's business amen but hey come on up and bless the folks and minister and do whatever you want to do and i think elijah said we could stay till five o'clock or something but he really didn't say that but i've been known to the longest i've ever gone in one service is ten and a half hours so so y'all y'all uh, Hallelujah. Aren't we blessed? Yes, we are. You know, there was such a joy in the worship today. Uh, Clarissa, you just were wonderfully anointed to lead us. And it was so joyful. You know, and that's what the church needs to be is, is I, I tell the Lord, this is, this is a little private thing I say between the Lord and I, and I just say, I'm a happy warrior. Just be a happy warrior for the kingdom of God. Amen. Because the, the worst thing that can happen to a Christian is to allow the enemy to oppress your thoughts and oppress your soul. And I've almost been there uh, a few times in my life because of, you know, situations and circumstances. And, and uh, you know, how many of you know sometimes people aren't always at their best, mm -hmm. nor, are, nor am I, you know. But yet, the Lord has a way to lift us up, yes. you know? And I, I think that one of the best things that I ever saw Israel do to win over uh, an attack of the enemy was just make a lot of noise, <laughs> you know? Even if you can't sing, you can make noise, yes. you know? And that is so helpful to the soul. For some reason, God means for you to make noise. Yeah. And it's what Terry said. Uh, you know about the church this is our time I mean what else are we waiting for right. are we going to go down with the world or are we going to rise up <laughs> out of the ashes you know God has given us beauty for ashes you know so that in the midst of the fire in the midst of the flood in the midst of the lack in the midst of the uh, horrendous attack on, a, on your life personally as well as on the church and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can rise up. Amen. I mean, have you ever have you ever had God tell you sit down and shut up? Yeah. Other than if you were wrong, if He had to correct you, but if you're standing in a place to where the enemy's trying to stop you, uh, the best place to go in prayer is make a lot of noise and make hell think you're winning. Amen. <laughs> you know? And your own soul winning. I mean, sometimes you just have to tell your soul, I don't care what it looks like, shut up, I'm winning. You know, you can't see into the realm of the spirit. You don't know what's going on out there on my behalf. 
So brain, shut up. You will not exalt yourself in this situation in my thought life. I am going to rise up. There's more working for me than there is against me, and I will not be a victim. You know, (laughs) I just say that all the time. You know, no matter what happens, I don't care what didn't happen in my life. You know, your daddy didn't give you the bicycle you wanted when you were eight years old. Well, you're old enough now, go buy yourself three or four of them. You know, who gives a rip about that stuff? You know, Um, even Proverbs teaches you to recover yourself from the hand of the of the hunter. Deliver yourself from the things that have tried to hunt you down and attack you mentally and emotionally all your life. All of the, the crappy things that people, excuse my language, all the awful things maybe, un, unkind things people have said to you in your life, just get over it. Because what's on the inside of you, like Smith Wigglesworth used to say, is I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. And something my husband, my first husband, taught our congregation in all of those decades, he would teach our people, you're the best preacher you know. I didn't get hardly any amens on that. But you ought to amen yourself. Everybody say, I'm the best preacher I know. Say it again. I'm the best preacher I know. Say it like you believe it. I'm the best preacher I know. Because I'm with me all the time. So it, it would determine the quality of my preaching. <laughs> and when you preach to yourself, one thing, you can't complain about the preacher. <laughs> because you have to, you're responsible for how you think. You're responsible for how you act emotionally out in your personality out with other people. I'm just going to share with you, this is the foundation verse. As Terry was talking about the quality of the church, of, of the realization, the understanding of who we need to be in these last days. That, it's, that if we don't go personally to the world, and if we don't pray for others that we, that we don't know around the world, and then our offerings to give to other people that are doing jobs in other countries, you know, and traveling, like the, uh, the apostle ministry that Terry has, and other ministries that are doing so many great things, and the pastors and people in other lands that are native to that land that are doing the work of God, it's important for us to see the value. Everybody say, I'm valuable. I'm valuable. God has put value on my life. I was telling a young man the other day uh, when we were um, in Texas, I w- he was, he's such an intelligent, gifted young man. And, I, and, and yet he's had to fight some things, but he, we were, he was working with Terry and I to do some filming. And I said to him, you know, if you're alive at this point, If you're alive in this generation, God has placed great value on you because he intends for you to influence people around you. And don't let the enemy sell you short or talk in your head to you about anything negative about your life. If you're alive right now, your life is of great value. And and I, I think it's from that standard of value that you place on things, the quality. Everybody say quality. Quality. The quality, not the quantity. Of a man's life, Brother Henry, you know, does not consist out of the, of the abundance of things that he possesses. It's not the quantity that you own. 
and possessions. It's the quality of who you are as a person. There was such joy when we were in here worshiping. And a lot, I just sat there and just thanked God for Elisha and Clarissa that they have provided an opportunity with all of this beauty. I mean, I was just thanking God for every flower pot and that little, that little bird, that little bluebird statue there. And I'm, I'm gonna place quality, I'm gonna place value on this beautiful place we have to worship, this wonderful atmosphere. I mean, just to appreciate breathing fresh air. Oh my goodness. I mean, what a, what a wonderful atmosphere to sit here among like-minded people in this country and worship God. I mean, that's why, to me, that's why we were rejoicing so much, was because of, of just the opportunity and the value that we have to be doing what we're doing. Amen? Amen? But just write this down, and you can go home and read it out loud to yourself and, and really build on the inside of you a building block of quality in your life. But it's a Philippians chapter 1, verse 10. And uh, my heart rejoices today. David said that so much in Psalms. He says, I rejoice, I rejoice, I rejoice. And as much as there is to be angry about, and as much as there is to be hugely disappointed, and even sometimes maybe fearful of the things that are coming upon the earth now and later on, we live in perilous times, as the Bible says. You, you read that over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and that it starts off, it says, uh, perilous times shall, shall set in. Well, Elisha, they've set in. <laughs> they've set in. And it says, they shall set in because. Isn't it wonderful that God tells you why? Because men, people, shall be lovers of pleasure rather than and more than that of God. People love themselves and what they want, the lust of their eyes, the lust of their flesh, the pride of life, those three categories of sin that take hold and people are determined to have, I'm gonna have what I want. And, it be, and, and then they're jealous of what everybody else has or, <laughs> or they're offended by what somebody else says. That's why the church, we have to be of all people happy, <laughs> full of the joy of the Lord and know that, that we're not flippant about it. It's not a flippant, silly personality. It is one of great joy and confidence in God. Amen? Amen. Philippians chapter 1, verse 10 says, this is one of Paul's great prayers, so that you may surely learn to sense what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best and distinguishing, the Amplified says, the moral differences, and that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless. There's a lot of words in the Amplified, but it clarifies so that you don't get, you don't miss the meaning. I love vocabulary because it paints pictures and gives clarification. Isn't that right? And it says, so that heart, with hearts sincere, certain, and unsullied. Isn't that a wonderful way to live? My heart is sincere, it is certain, and it is unsullied. I may approach the day of Christ not stumbling, nor causing others to stumble. I think those are such holy words. <laughs> and if you'll go home 
Rex and I were talking before the service, if you'll go home and read these things out loud so that your ears hear it, your mouth says it. You know, Tanya, when you say it, your eyes see it, your ears hear it, and your mouth says it. Because you're saying it, you're preaching it to yourself. When you read the word out loud and you become the preacher, you're preaching to yourself. I better preach to me. I better know what I'm preaching. And if I'll start practicing, I was thinking how Terry, a lot of times, he'll preach it and pray. He's praying, but he's preaching. <laughs> and then I do the same thing in prayer. I'll, get, I'll, start, I'll start praying over something, and I'll find myself preaching from the Word while I'm praying. And it's paying attention to the things that are going on and coming out of your own mouth so that you are sincere. Like Paul said, let your love be without dissimulation. It means let your love be sincere. Don't, don't just put a smoke screen up to let, make people think you like them, but let it come out of a sincere, unsullied, certain, pure heart. Amen? So, the, so the, the real policing is not on others. It's on us. Amen. It's on the individual. I have to be my own policeman. I have to be my own preacher. I have to be my own psychiatrist. <laughs> I have to take. I have to correct myself. You know, Daniel said, and I think it's in chapter six. Dan, it says Daniel uh, chastened himself before the Lord. Aren't those amazing scriptures to give you insight? So what Terry's talking to us about is that the church will learn value. The church won't put value on entertainment. The church won't put value on programs. The church will put value on God's heart. Yes. What is His heart? Yes. If you'll notice what we were when we were praying here today and, and what we were singing, um, you know, we were in that, especially you know, in, that, in a, the, both songs that Clarissa had us sing, it was talking about the Lord. And you know what will happen? Uh, certain songs. Um, have you telling God all about how great you are? But these two songs talked about how great he was. See, I don't need to tell the Lord, I'm going to serve you all my life. I'm going to be faithful to you all my life. Well, that didn't work for Peter. How can, I, can, I can't promise what my flesh might try to do on any given 24-hour period. How many of you know the truth? I mean, it, it's just hard to, to resist a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> Much less some big sin out there, you know? I think, oh my God, if I can't resist a chocolate chip cookie, I'm in trouble, you know? And so it, it's just so much better for me to say, he's faithful, he's worthy, he's good, he's kind, he's wonderful, he will never fail me. Then for me to stand there and say, oh, Lord, I'll never fail you. I love you with all my heart. Well, do you? I don't know. I mean, the, the, James says, my heart is deceitful. <coughs> desperately wicked and you can't even know your own self sometimes I've been shocked at what I've done at times I thought he did that you know? <laughs> which one of you said that that's not what I believe who, who told me to say that you know and I, I it, you know as close as just knowing oh my goodness I have I don't that's not right and yet it's come out of my mouth 
I know nobody else has done that, but I, anyway, I need to sit down. But I, I want you all to, I just want you to know how precious and valued you are to the work of God. And that Terry and I do not stand before you today as ministers, but as those that need to be ministered to as much as anybody else. We need Jesus. Amen. We need Jesus. Amen. Amen. And we don't need to take anything for granted, but know that the greater one lives in us. We are equal to this generation to do what God's called us to do. And that we need to gather together, hallelujah, even more so as we see the day approaching. Not less. We need more church, not less church. <laughs> we need more fellowship, not less fellowship. We need to be praying more, not less. We need to be giving. We need to be interceding. We need to be touched with the feelings of other people's infirmities. There needs to be activity from the church. We don't get days off. God just gives you moments of distraction to take care of your your life. <laughs> but you are always at work for the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Yes. Well, God bless you. And we're here to wash your feet with the word today. We are here to serve you. And uh, Terry's going to come and just continue on. Don't you appreciate the ministry of the apostle? It's a different, different flow, isn't it? It's a different kind of anointing. So pull on him. Pull on him to minister to you. Darling, come on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The man in black. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome, Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, stand up with me, if you would, please. And uh, let me just remind you that even though we don't bring them here, we do have uh, books and, and MP3s and CDs and all kind of messages that will help you and bless you. And you can go to terrymines.com and find those things. And uh, one thing that we're excited about that you, some of you know and some of you may not, that we have our own YouTube channel. And so if you'll just take your phone and go to YouTube, and if you don't know how to do that, get a grandchild, and uh, go to YouTube and go to Terry Mize Ministries, and then subscribe. Please subscribe to it. That makes YouTube think we're doing really well, and then they want us to do more stuff. Uh, so if you'll subscribe, hit the subscribe button. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. And uh, then right next to the subscribe button, there's a little icon or picture of a bell and they really get excited when you click on that so click on the bell and click on the subscribe and uh, and then every sunday morning so like tomorrow morning uh at seven o'clock texas time central time so that'd be what way early here uh five o'clock in the morning uh we put up a a new program and a television program but of course it's there all the time so you don't have to get up at five to watch it just you can watch it on monday tuesday wednesday whenever you want to but we put it up on sunday every sunday morning and then on Wednesdays, we put up an audio. Uh, the the, the cool. Sunday was a video, and the Wednesday's an audio. Once in a while, they'll actually take the audio from the video, but usually it's a new, it's its own thing. So uh, anyway, those will bless you, they'll help you, they'll minister to you. Uh, I got up this morning and knew, knew we were about to leave for church, and so I grabbed my YouTube and flipped it on, and, and we weren't on, and I said, what's going on? And, uh, and so I, I grabbed my phone and, and started typing to our producer in Texas to say, hey, the YouTube program's not up. And they don't know me, it's a Saturday, not Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> just because just I was going to church, you know. Just. So anyway, tomorrow morning there'll be a new one up. And the last six that have been up are called Don't Move the Post. Oh. Part one, part two, part three, part four, part five, six. 
and I tell you, they are. They will help you during this COVID time, no, during right. this crisis time. Sure will. I tell you, as a as a Christian, your post is the Bible, and people are trying to move it. People are trying to change it. People mm -hmm. are trying to say, "Well, it doesn't mean that. It what's living. It's alive. It's fluid. It changes with the times." No, 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 no. Uh, God said, "I'm the Lord. I change not." Jesus Christ, <laughs> the same yesterday, today, and That's forever. Right. Jesus right. said, "Not one jot or tittle will be changed from this word, That's even right. though heaven and earth passes away." And then the Book of Revelation says. Woe to you if you do change That's one right. yeah. word. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And people just change it and change it and change it. They're coming to pastors today and saying, Pastor, you, you, we'd reach more young people if we'd just uh, if we'd just preach this or just accept this. We'd reach more of these kind of people if we just and pretty soon you don't know where the post was. Yeah. Yeah. And God said you don't know the ancient landmark or the post or the stones that the, that the fathers have set up. Bless and so uh, and then as an American our post is the Constitution. And people are doing the same thing, saying, oh, it's a living fluid thing. It's changeable with the time. No, 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 no. You can't change the ancient landmarks that the fathers have set up. And so we have to be the keepers of the post. We have to be the keepers of the Constitution exactly. as an American. Exactly. And we have to be exactly. keepers of the Word of God as a, as a Christian. Amen. Amen. Father, in the name of the yes, Lord Jesus, I so appreciate yes, gathering here this morning. You said we're if we're so gathered grateful. here, you're in our midst. Thank you for the wonderful praise and worship that we had this morning. I love those songs, Father, that, that, that are anointed and that talk about you. Your, your amazing grace, what you've done for us, that, that you blessed us, that you are worthy, that worthy is the Lamb. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the Word. Thank you for the covenant. Thank you for the Spirit of God, the, the Holy Ghost. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you. We thank you. And, Father, I've already talked to you about this this morning. And I've asked you already to set a watchman over my mouth. And that I have already set a watchman over my mouth. That I'll not speak of myself nor in the flesh. I'll not speak of myself nor in the flesh. But the Holy Spirit, the greater one that indwells me, rise up big within me now and think through my thoughts. Speak through my lips. Minister words, words that get on the inside of us and create faith. For faith comes by hearing the word. So as we hear the word this morning, Father, as we hear, the word this morning. Faith will rise in this place. Faith rises. Faith rises. Faith will rise in this house this morning. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And as we hear the word and faith rises, you're able to touch us at the point of our faith and do miracles. Lord, I was meditating and praying to you this morning and just telling you it's still the day of miracles. It's still the day of signs. It's still the day of wonders. It's still God hasn't passed away. COVID, COVID hasn't shut heaven down. COVID hasn't shut miracles down. COVID hasn't shut God down. That your house is still open. That your word is still alive. And that you're still the God. And I'm expecting you. I'm expecting you. In, in the rest of my ministry, the rest of my days on the earth, I told you I'm not willing to go without miracles, to go without healings and salvations and deliverances, casting out devils and, and for signs and for wonders. We thank you for it. We push on for it. And we won't take no for an answer. And we thank you and give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, the majesty, and the dominion in the majestic and holy name of King Jesus. Yes. The name that heavens never fail to honor, nor hells never fail to tremble at. The name of Jesus Christ, the righteous. Oh, amen, 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 amen. 
Well, praise Thank the Lord. Lord. I about preached myself. Preached myself happy. You know? Well, you can be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking this morning, the gentleman's passed away now. He's in heaven now. But way back in the, I, well, when I was a little boy, and, and I guess even uh, maybe a few years before I was born, gentleman by the name of Ronnie Cohen. Yes. And uh, when he was a little boy, he, he had a disease in uh, his right eye. And back in those days, I don't know what they'd do for it today, but in those days, they just did surgery on him and removed his eyeball. Oh. And so he had one, we had a, he had a hole right here. He just had a socket, but nothing in the socket. And so he usually wore an eye patch over it so it didn't gross people out. And, and, and so, uh, but as he was a little boy, they, they decided they could make for him a prosthetic eye. And of course, I guess they weren't very good back in those days, but they, they made an eye. And he would put that prosthetic eye in, in that hole, in that socket, so he would look normal, so he could go places and people wouldn't stare at him with a patch on his eye. And uh, one night, he went to church, and uh, there was a lady there by the name of Daisy Gillock. And Daisy Gillock was uh, my friend, T.L. Osborne's sister. His wife was named Daisy, and his sister was named Daisy. And, and, and Daisy uh, had grown up and married Brother Gillock, and they pastored at the Assembly of God Church in Odessa, Texas. I'm from Midland, that's 20 miles away. And, uh, and one night, Ronnie, the little boy with the hole in his head, he came up to, to in the prayer line after they had a great service and they called for prayer and, and Ronnie came up in the prayer line for something else. He wasn't thinking of getting his eye prayed for. He was thinking, I don't know, he had a cold or he had the flu or he had something was wrong and he came up for prayer for whatever it was that was bothering him. And his sister Gillip started to lay hands on him for healing. She said, son, something's wrong with your eye. And she just prayed for his eye. And uh, after she prayed for his eye, he jumped up and down and he started yelling and hollering that he could see. And she said, what? And he said, he said, I can see. And she said, what do you mean? I'm not gonna have to separate you girls. She was saying she heard him speak at John Osteen started late with when she was here. But uh, uh, he actually could see, now listen to this. He could see with that prosthesis through that glass eye he could see and he could pop it out and see out of the hole and I mean they had him on all kind of TV programs over the years all kind of different TV programs they used to ABC had a show on called that's incredible and, they, and I mean they would tape him up and they would they would they would tape his eye I don't know they tape his good eye they tape his good eye so they were sure he couldn't see out of it and then they'd, then they'd he'd put that eyeball in, and, and he'd read driver's licenses, and he'd read, read phone numbers, and he'd read whatever they want him to read. And then he'd pop it out, and he'd read with the hole in his head. And, and, and I said all that, I should say this, that wasn't a healing. That was not even a miracle. That was a sign and a wonder. There is no explanation for it. No doctor could wow. figure. They had doctors check him and check him and check him until he was an old man finally, finally died. From, and he went all over the world showing people that, that miracle. 
and they'd tape his good eye up wherever he'd go. He'd, they'd tape his good eye up, and then they'd give him something to read, and he'd just read it with the with the prosthesis in, or he'd pop it out and read it with just the hole in his head, and uh, he could see. Now, now, Brother Hagen used to always say this. Uh, he said, "God will do a sign, and a sign will make you wonder." <laughs> And that's what the signs do. Signs make you wonder and say, how could this thing be? How could, see, see, Mary getting pregnant with God's baby wasn't a miracle nor a healing. It was a sign and a wonder. And she wondered about it. Everybody wondered about it. Can you imagine that good old teenage girl going to her mom and daddy and saying, uh, I'm pregnant? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And then trying to tell them, not only am I pregnant, I'm pregnant with God's baby. Well, there's no telling what they did to that girl. They may have quarantined her. They may have, they may have locked her away. And, you know, I mean, good thing it wasn't today. She could just run down to Planned Parenthood and just have an abortion. But see, that was a wonder. It was a sign. And that thing with Ronnie's eye was a sign and a wonder. Nobody could explain that. I mean, the greatest medical minds, the greatest scientific minds, they'd have him on all these TV shows, and somebody, and they couldn't deny it was true. I mean, the doctors themselves would give him their 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 address and their their driver's license. He'd just read it through that hole in his head, and and they they had to admit it's true. They couldn't say, "Oh, this is fake. This is this is not true." No, no. And, but but they couldn't explain it. Well, of course you can't explain it. It's a sign and a wonder. I've always said this that miracles. Well, actually, I just touched this and it went off. Did I do something wrong? I laid my hand down on it. Do you need to check it? Oh, you're good? Yeah. I just laid my hand down on it. And now I see the screen's black. So uh, uh, you can fix it if you want to. Okay. All right. Sorry. But uh, but it was just a, a sign and a wonder for, to make people know that God is the God that he says he is. That God does signs, that God does miracles. And, and the day of signs and wonders and the days of miracles and healings and the days of casting out devils, that is not over. This is the time for the church to shine. This is not the time for the church to be hiding in the foxhole. And all throughout history, when some terrible thing has happened, uh, people got scared. Fear is hell's big enemy. I mean, big weapon. Fear is the weapon that motivates hell, just like faith is the weapon that motivates heaven. Faith moves God, hell, fear moves the devil. And so anytime there was a great horrible thing going on in the world, whether it was a, 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 a disease, a pandemic that was killing people, uh, whether it was a war or whether any man, what it was, uh, the people would get scared. Satan controls us with fear. And so they'd run jump in the foxholes. And then they'd start looking outside the foxhole saying, who can help us? Who can? And they'd see the church out there walking around, not scared. And so they would go to the church. The church was the light. And the people of God were, were the light. And Jesus said, you're the light, you're the salt. And, uh, and, and so that's always happened throughout history until this COVID thing's come up. And now the world has run and jumped in the foxhole. And, and then they turn around and look to see who they can, who, where the church is, if they can get some hope. And they look to the guy next to him in the foxhole and say, oh, no, it's the church. And the church is scared in there with them. And there's no point and no reason and no, no rational reason whatsoever for the church to be scared. We 
Faith and fear do not live in the same house. We are not like this world. Paul said we're not just mere men. We don't live by the beggarly elements of this world. We don't think like the world thinks. We don't talk like the world talks. We don't act like the world acts. We don't smell like the world smells. We don't dress like the world dresses, or we're not supposed to anyway. And we're supposed to come out from among them and be ye separate. They're looking right now. They're scared. They're looking for somebody to say, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to be scared. It's okay. It's okay. Jesus has got this. God's got your back. Amen. You know, isn't that right? Yes. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to, to understand that fear and faith do not live in the same house. And we're not. There should be a difference in atheists and disciples. Amen. We're the disciples. We shouldn't act like atheists. We shouldn't think like them. We shouldn't fear like them. We shouldn't do anything like them. Turn your Bible real quick to, uh, I've got a word for you this morning that I think is apropos for, for the times we're living in. But um, turn your Bible to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 16. And you might, if you're taking notes, you might just jot down Proverbs 31. That's the last book of Proverbs. And verse 8 and verse 9. And then jot down James in the New Testament, James chapter 1 and verse 27. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 and, and James 1, 27 are the reasons I get out of bed in the morning. It, it, it's like fire in my bones. It's why I've done what I've done for 52, next year will be 53 years, January will be 53 years that I've done third world missionary evangelism. It's, it's, those are the scriptures. Why I eat dog and cat and rat and why I eat worms and why I eat monkey liver and fish eyeballs and why I've gone where I've gone around the world and why I've eaten what I've eaten around the world. Not because I like it, but because that's what it takes to minister to the people that I'm ministering to. And and so in Proverbs 31, verse 8 and 9 says, Speak up. This is the NIV version. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. People are dying and going to hell, and they can't speak up for themselves. They don't know how to get to God. They need a Christian to tell them how to get to God. So it says, Speak up for those. Uh, who cannot speak for themselves. They speak up uh, for, for those that are headed to destruction. See, we don't realize it, but the world is headed to destruction. Whenever you're born, whenever a precious, precious, tiny, sweet, blessed baby is born on planet Earth, they have a date with hell. Their destiny is hell, unless at some point in their life a Christian interrupts them and says, let me tell you about Jesus. Because they otherwise they're not going to know. They're not unless they hear it on TV, a TV program, or or a, or a radio program, or they see it somewhere or another. Go to church somehow. Some Christian somewhere has got to tell them about Jesus. We've got to be the interrupter. And see, political correctness tells us don't interrupt them. Political correctness says don't tell a Buddhist they're going to hell. Don't tell a Muslim they're going to hell. Don't 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 offend somebody. Billy Graham says we're living says that we're living in an America today where we don't want to offend anybody except God. He said we don't mind offending God, but we sure don't want to offend anybody else. And, and so we've got to be the interrupters. Uh, people have asked me for 52 years, Brother Terry, you're 50, you've been in the ministry 52 years, so you've seen revival. Tell us about revival. Talk to us about revival. And I always tell them the same thing. I said, revival happens when the Holy Ghost interrupts the church. You know, if the church just goes along like normal, we know how to have church every Sunday morning without God. Churches do it all over the world. 
We know how to have go to church without God. We know how to have church without the Holy Spirit. We know how to get there on time. We know how to sing three fast songs and three slow songs. We know how to make, make an announcement and how to how to take up an offer and how to preach a 20-minute sermon and go home. We, we know how to do that. We mm-hmm. Churches do it tomorrow. Churches will do it everywhere. Have church without God and without the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit interrupts the church, when he falls in the house... Yeah. All of a sudden, the clock goes out the window and everything else goes out the window and we're just in the Shekinah glory of God and the Holy Ghost is interrupting us, then uh, then you've got revival. Amen? And it's the same thing with, with getting uh, these people that are on their way to hell. It's the same thing. We must be the interrupter. We must be the Holy Ghost interrupter and tell them, hey, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And then... And then uh, and it says, speak up for the poor and, and, and the needy and defend them and defend their cause, plead the case. And then we get to the New Testament in James 1.27. It says, pure religion, pure religion, and undefiled before God and the Father is this. They're going to give you a definition. This is it. This is it. Pay attention. This is it. He says, that you visit the fatherless or the orphans, the fatherless and the widows in their afflictions. Wow. And you keep yourself unspotted from the world. Now that's the church's job. We're supposed to take care of widows and orphans. We're supposed to take care of the poor. We're supposed to keep ourselves straight. And we're supposed to be involved in interrupting people and not letting them go to <laughs> yeah. destruction. Not that's letting right. them go yes. to hell. You know, every time somebody takes me and we go to a Red Lobster or, or, or some, some restaurant that's selling lobsters, live lobsters, and you pick the one out that you want to eat, I'll always say to whoever's with me, I'll say, well, that's death row. <laughs> and those lobsters remind me of the world because they're all headed into eternity and don't have a clue. If you look in this neighborhood right here, you look at the neighbors, look around. People are, everybody here is headed to eternity. And many don't have a clue. And the Christians know they're going to eternity and have a clue, but the rest of them are also going into eternity and don't have a clue. And it's our job to interrupt them and to tell them what Jesus has done. You found Luke 16 yet? Luke 16, starting in verse 19. Uh, Jesus is talking. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is talking, and he's telling a true story. And I want you to get that. I want you to let that get down on the inside of it. This is this is not one of those times he's given a parable. He did that many times. This is not a metaphor. This is not a simile. This is not this is not just a, a, a like like he would say sometimes. Well, faith is like a grain of mustard seed. Or he'd say uh, the kingdom of God's like a pearl of great price that was buried in a field, and, and a guy went out and found it. No, those those are metaphors and those are parables. And he did that lots and lots and lots of times. But this is no metaphor. And this is no parable. This is a true story. Amen. And it's a horrifying, terrible, blood-chilling, yes. hair standing on the back of your neck, true story. I mean, this is a more this is a more horror story than, than Stephen King and Hollywood could think of. I mean, this, this is true terror and true horror, and Jesus tells it to us for a reason. It's a true story. And listen to what he said. He said, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen. And he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar. Now notice those two words certain there. He said a certain rich man, and he said a certain beggar. Anytime, 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 Jesus said, or the Bible says a certain, that means this is a real story. This is a true story. This is a real person. Verse 19. Did I not say that? I'm sorry. 
Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. And so anytime it says the word, uses the word certain, he's talking about this was a real rich man. And this was a flesh and blood beggar. In fact, his name was Lazarus, tells you his name. So there was a certain rich man clothed in purple, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Which now this is not the same Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead, by the way. Who was laid at his gate, full of, at the rich man's gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man, Jesus said, also died and was what? Buried. The rich man died and was buried. And in hell, this is what Jesus said, and in hell, he, the rich man, he lift up his eyes, being in what? Torments, plural. Not torment, but in torments, plural. And he sees Abraham afar off. And he sees Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. See, people, your friends today will tell you, hell's not real. There's no fire in hell. No, 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 no. Jesus said... The, poor, the, the rich man was tormented in this flame. Second time he uses the word torment. And he's thirsty. And he says, please, just send that beggar. The beggar he used to wouldn't touch. He wouldn't even give him a crumb from the table. He said, just send that beggar. And let him dip his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm tormented. I'm tormented. Night and day, 24-7, I'm tormented. And I will be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And today it's 2020, and that rich man's still in hell, and he's still tormented. And it'll never end. It'll never end. That's why we've got to tell them. Yes. We've got to tell them. And he said, I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received thy good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are, third time he uses the word, you are tormented. See, hell has torments, doesn't it? Now let me just take a little side trip right here and tell you that this guy didn't go to hell because he's a rich guy. And Lazarus didn't go to heaven because he's a poor guy. That just happened to be. Jesus just happened to tell the story about a rich guy and a poor guy. But them being rich and being poor had nothing to do with their eternal destiny. So, so get that. Uh, preachers try to preach that and say, well, the rich guy, you know, he's rich, so he went to hell. No, no, no. God doesn't care if you're rich. God God made people in the Bible so rich they threw their silver out in the backyard. Uh, but, but anyway, he said, uh, Lazarus, his evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented third time. And, and besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Now listen to the rich man. He said, Then I pray thee, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren. Now listen to this. Father Abraham, I've got five brothers that are still living on the earth. Please send that beggar. Please send that beggar. If you want him to come, 
cool my tongue, then please send that beggar to tell my brothers I don't want them to come to this horrible place. Now this is what he said. I pray thee therefore, Father, you would send into my father's house, for I have five brethren. To what purpose? That he may testify unto them. Mm. See, he knew what needed to happen, Lindsay. He knew they needed somebody to testify to them. Somebody needs to testify to them. There's people today that you need to testify to because they don't have anybody else that can testify to them. You're it. Tag, you're it. You know, tag, you're it. We used to play as a kid. Tag, you're it. Well, you're it. You've got to testify to these people. For what purpose? He said, lest they also come to this place of what? Torment. Fourth time Jesus uses the word torment. He knew somebody needed to testify to him. And so Abraham said to them, to him, they have Moses and the prophets, or they have the church and the word. Let them hear them. And the rich man said, No, Father Abraham, but if one went to the to them from the dead, they will what? Repent. He knew what needed to happen. You get real smart when you get to hell. <laughs> and you get real smart when you get to heaven. All of a sudden, he knew exactly what needed to be done. I've got these five brothers. Somebody needs to testify to them. So they'll what? Repent. So they won't come to this place of torment. Isn't that amazing? And he said, and he said to him, if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, they won't hear the church and the word, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now what we have here in Luke chapter 16, I want you to remember this forever. What we have here is a missionary call from hell. We have a man in hell begging, begging that someone, please, too late for me. Nothing can be done for me. I'll suffer for eternity. But please send someone to my father's house because I have five brothers. And if somebody doesn't testify to them, if they don't repent, they will come to this place of torment. See, contrary to what Hollywood tells us and contrary to what cartoons tell our little kids, nobody in hell is having fun. And nobody in hell wants anybody else to come there. They don't want you to come. You know all these t- all these movies say say I'll see you in hell. Well, all right, I'll see you in hell. Or you know, or go to hell. Well, you go first. Or I'll be there first. Or I'll meet you in hell. There's no fun. There's no there's no party. Do you, you ever notice that in Hollywood? I'm not saying it's just I'm in California. I preach this all the time around the world. Do you ever notice in Hollywood nobody ever goes to hell? Seriously. Anytime somebody in Hollywood dies, anytime a movie star dies, a singer dies, an important person, a celebrity, a famous person, anytime they die, all of a sudden, everybody's eternity-minded. And everybody's heaven-minded. And everybody tells you, oh, they're looking down on me right now. Well, no, they're probably looking up. I remember remember when Frank Sinatra died. And I'm not Frank's judge. I didn't know the man. Don't know. I'm, I'm not God, and I'm not his judge. But I do remember when he died, old blue eyes. And I remember they immediately went to somebody that was a personal friend. And uh, they stuck a microphone. The news reporter stuck a microphone in their face and said, well, what do you think? Here we are at old blue eyes funeral. And, you know, what, 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 what do you think? What do you think? And, and, and whoever it was said this. I'll never forget what they said. They said, well, 
wherever old Frank is right now, he's the life of the party. And right now he's 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 toasting and or hosting uh, hoisting a Jack Daniels. And I remember sitting there watching that, and I said, you know, years and years and years ago, as you know. And I sat there and said, you know, Frank's not the life of the party. Because if he's in heaven, which I hope he is, Jesus is the part, life of the party. That's right. Amen. Frank's just in on it and praise yeah. God you're there. That's right. Fanning the flames, probably. <laughs> and if he's in hell, there's certainly no party. There's certainly no pardon in hell. And there's no Jack Daniels in either place. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it is. But that's Hollywood's mentality. It's everybody's mentality. And I, I remember... Uh, I remember when Michael Jackson died here a few years ago. Again, I don't didn't know Michael Jackson, and I'm not his judge, and I'm not God. But I was, in, I was preaching in Ukraine. And uh, when he died... That came on in Ukraine in English. And so if y'all have ever been overseas, you, you know you just run to something that's in English. You say, oh, dear God, a TV program in English I can watch. And so uh, I watched it, and uh, and it was the same thing. And I thought, now, wait a minute. Just, just two weeks ago, Hollywood hated Michael Jackson. They were calling him a pervert. They were calling him a child molester. Uh, they, they were taking him to court. I remember seeing him getting out of a limousine in his pajamas. And walking in the courthouse, y'all, y'all remember all that? Yes. And I mean, they hated him. They said he was terrible, horrible, awful. And now all of a sudden, he's a saint. It's always amazing to me in Hollywood. Nobody goes to hell, and they all become saints. Even if somebody dies, all of a sudden they become a saint. And we all do that. I mean, we do that in our own family. You know, I mean, old Uncle Joe dies, and we say, we, all these years we talk bad about him. Oh, Uncle Joe, and now all of a sudden, oh, he's he's looking down on us. He's, I tell you, he's such a wonderful guy. He's such a wonderful guy. You know, I always thought that about President Kennedy. You know, JFK was just such a pervert, and just such a such a slime ball, and such a womanizer, and such an adulterer. And he'd have the secretaries at the White House uh, in the secretarial uh, offices. He'd have them meeting. Uh, at the White House pool every day at noon and swim naked with him, you know, skinny dip with him. And, uh, and, and then he had, you know, just the Secret Service said they had revolving doors for women coming in and out of the White House when he was president. And then, of course, him and Bobby, his brother, shared Marilyn Monroe. And, I mean, he just he was just a slime ball, you know. And, but as soon as he died, man, as soon as he died, hey, he's the greatest president we ever had. He's the greatest guy in the world. I mean, nobody's like JFK. And, it's just amazing, just amazing. And then uh, uh, I remember at, at Michael Jackson's funeral, they had everybody getting up. I watched it in Ukraine. Everybody's getting up, saying Michael's looking down on us. Michael's this. Michael's in heaven. Michael's great. Michael's one. And maybe, maybe he was a great guy. Again, I don't know him. But I remember this goofy little actress named uh, Brooke Shields. I remember her getting up at his funeral and saying this. She said, "You know, today Michael is sitting on a crescent moon." smiling down at us. Oh. And I'm in Ukraine yelling at her, saying, what? A crescent moon? We now believe in the man in the moon? <laughs> I don't know if she had an inference to mock, to, to, to Islam or not, because that's the sign of the crescent moon, or if she just meant she believed in the man in the moon. I don't know what she meant. But I just know that I did, I, and I was yelling at her, I don't know where Michael is. I hope he's in heaven. But wherever he is, he's not sitting on a crescent moon. That's right. It's just, it's just insane what they, what they will tell you and, and, and what they think. 
You know, I, I remember when, when, well, I could just list celebrity after celebrity after celebrity, <laughs> the stupid things that people say. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I remember when Princess Di died. Y'all remember that? Mm -hmm. I was preaching in Charlotte, North Carolina, and, and she got in that horrible wreck, and they, they, they took three hours to extract her from that car. And I tell you, I sat in front of the TV last year for those solid three hours praying for that lady. And again, I don't know her. I'm not God. I'm not her judge. But I just thought, dear God, don't let her go to hell. Oh, God, please don't let her go to hell. Oh, God. Oh, God. Call, have her called out on you. Have her called out on you, Lord. And, and of course, they took three hours to get her out. And, of course, she died. And, and I remember the, the, the CNN anchor lady that said this. She said, well... God needed a princess in heaven, so he took Princess Di. Of course, I'm yelling at her on TV. What? You know, Jesus isn't good enough. He had to have a princess in heaven. And then I remember one week to the day after Princess Di died, then Mother Teresa died. And that same dumb anchor person, same one, got on TV and said, well, the reason that Mother Teresa's gone is because God needed a special guide to guide Princess Di around heaven. So he took Mother Teresa. And I'm yelling at her, yelling at the TV. But see, you don't get to go to heaven because you're a princess. You don't get to go to heaven because you're Camelot like the Kennedys. You, you don't get to go to heaven because you're a Catholic nun. You only get to go to heaven if somebody interrupted you and told you about Jesus and you accepted him, you called on him. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? And we need to understand that you don't get to go to heaven because you're the beautiful people. You don't get to go to heaven because you're the celebrity. You don't get to go to heaven because you're important to the world. You don't get to go to heaven because you're rich. You don't get to go to heaven for anything other than you called on, you called on Jesus. Amen? And we need to understand that. We need to understand that. I remember the day John F. Kennedy Jr. died. I was in, uh, I was in Jamaica. Had about 60 young people from America with me, different churches, young youth group. Some of your youth group from your Dean's church are with me. Some of your kids are with me. And, uh, and, and my kids are with me. And, uh, and it was on a Saturday morning. I woke up early on a Saturday morning, and they said... Uh, that John F. Kennedy Jr., who was a young pilot, and that always catches my eye because I'm here because I'm a pilot, so anytime there's a crash, I want to know why. What, what happened? Because uh, it's not supposed to happen. Planes aren't made to crash. They're made to fly. And so uh, they said that he was flying his, his new wife and flying uh, his sister-in-law, his wife's sister, to a wedding over on uh, at Martha's Vineyard. And so they were flying in bad weather, and they were flying over to land on the island, and evidently he got disoriented as a new pilot, which happens a lot, and he put the airplane into the ocean and killed all three of them. All three of them went into eternity. And the instant I saw that, that Saturday morning in Jamaica, the instant I saw that news, this was a scripture I thought of, and, and it came up in my spirit. The rich man died. The rich man died. I mean, his mama left him. Jackie O left him $5 billion with a B, billion. Or maybe 15. I'll have to go back and check my notes now. It's been a while since I've checked my notes. But with a B, billion. And, uh, and I thought, the rich man died. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Now, can you imagine if you were 
that young man, and I liked him. I, I thought of all the Kennedys, he seems like the best. He seems like he's handsome. He, he, he's a nice guy. He's, he's, I mean, you just you were just pulling for him. People my age and older, we we remember him standing at four years old at his daddy's casket and saluting. Yes. You know, we remember that John F. Kennedy Jr. We we watched him grow up. We were we were for him. You know, and I just thought, if he went to hell, I hope he didn't. I hope he didn't. I hope he didn't. I hope he's in heaven. But you don't get to go to heaven just because you're Camelot or because you're a nice guy. But I thought, if, if he's in hell today, I wonder what he'd say to his daddy and his uncle Bobby and his uncle Teddy. I wonder what he'd say then. Would he say, you lied to me? You lied to me? I'm in this place of torment because you didn't tell me about Jesus. And again, I hope he's not in hell. I hope none of those people are in hell. But, you know, you just, you just kind of know them by their fruits. You got to look at the fruits of their life and say, well. But I just think over and over and over when these people die, I just think everybody, and I'll say this to you. Anytime a celebrity dies or, or somebody in your town that everybody knows, maybe it's a policeman, that dies. Maybe it's a, a the mayor that died. Maybe it's a police chief or the a fire. Somebody that the whole town knows they died. It's not just you know my aunt Sally that died. Nobody knows it, but it, it's somebody that the whole town knows they're dead. They died. That's the greatest and best time for you to soul win. It's so easy to win souls when that happens because you just go into the coffee shop. You're sitting there having coffee, and everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. I was right here in California preaching for, I think, for art <laughs> whenever Whitney Houston died, you know? And, man, everybody was talking about it. I mean, it was the night of the, what, the Grammys or something, that same night. Right. In fact, President Obama was in town that night at Will Smith's house uh, raising money and thousands of dollars a plate, dinner, and, and all kind of things were going on. And I remember all that because I'm, I'm preaching here. And, 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 uh, and, and she died. And I just think, you know, everybody knows that. Everybody knows who she is. And so you go in the coffee shop or in the restaurant or anywhere, and everybody's talking about it. It's on their mind. And see, when somebody dies, eternity immediately comes to your mind. A cemetery is the most spiritual place in the, in the world. You just go out to the cemetery and look at the tombstones. There's angels. There's doves. There's the cross. I mean, there, there, there's a lamb. I mean, you just go out and look at those, those tombstones in the cemetery, everybody. And you look at those tombstones and they got scriptures on them. And they got things like, we'll see them again. I mean, it's just the most spiritual place there is. In fact, Hilton Sutton, I don't know if y'all know who Hilton Sutton is or not, but Hilton was a dear friend of mine and a prophet of God. And he buried his wife and he buried his daughter. And uh, when my, one of my sons, I have four kids, two boys and two girls, when one of my sons was killed in a car wreck at age 29, uh, Hilton called me, and several times he called me, but he called me one day and he said, Terry, he said, cemeteries are the most peaceful place in the world. And I said, what? Seems to me it's a place of heartache and heartbreak, you know? And he said, no. He said, I actually put a bench out at my wife's tomb, grave, and at my daughter's grave, and I go there and sit there and talk to the Holy Spirit. I didn't talk to them. They're not there. 
you know. But he said, I go out there and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. He said, I always do that. I always walk out to the seminary and say, well, good morning, Holy Spirit. He said, because he's always there. He said, the Holy Ghost knows, the Holy Spirit knows that the trumpet's going to blow and God's going to say, now, y'all come. And he knows that when that happens, he doesn't know when it's going to happen. So he knows that when it does happen, he has to be in every cemetery to immediately <laughs> cause the dead in Christ to rise first. Yeah. He said he's got to pull the dead in Christ first yeah. before the rest of us get to go. Wow. He yes, said, so he yeah. hovers over the graves of every Christian. Wow. He said the Holy Spirit hovers over the grave of every Christian because the instant God says, now, then the Holy Spirit's got to pull them up before he can go get the rest of us. So, so cemeteries are, I think, spiritual places, and, and Hilton's as peaceful places. And, uh, but we just have to realize that that's a, an ideal time to win souls. Because the, 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 the waitress brings you, or the, the server brings you your, your meal or your coffee, and, uh, and, and, and you know, you, you just, I always say something like this, isn't that terrible about Whitney Houston now? Isn't that terrible about Michael Jackson now? Isn't that terrible about the police officer now? Isn't that terrible about, and they say, oh yeah, it's just awful, Everybody, everybody's talking about it. It's on their mind. And so then I always say, well, do, do you ever give much thought to spiritual things? You know, at times like this, we just we just start thinking about spiritual things. We're all going to die. What 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 happens when we die? You know, if, if you died today, and you showed up at heaven, and and Saint Peter met you at the pearly gates and said, "Why should I let you in?" What would you say to him? Where would you go if you died today? And I've had many people look at me right now and say, "Well, I'd go to hell. I know I would." That's right. I know I would. Because there's things not right with me and God, particularly in my heart. There's things standing between me and God. But I tell you, that's the easiest time to get somebody saved. It's the easiest time because they're already thinking about it. This person who was rich, who was famous, all of a sudden, their life is gone. The richest guy in the world is gone. You say, how much did he leave? He left it all. He didn't take one cent. You came out of this, you came into the world naked, you go out of the world naked. You, you came with nothing, you go with nothing. Isn't that right? And see, they know that. Whether they've been churched or, or schooled in it or not, they know that person was absolutely the top of the top of the top of the ladder, and now they're gone. That's fast. Gone. And so it's the easiest time for you to be an interrupter. And not harsh, and not mean, and not... Well, that guy went to hell. No, 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 no. But to lead, to love them into. Well, what would happen to you if you died today? So anyway, we have a missionary call, Brother Henry, from hell. That's such a powerful, powerful, powerful story. True story that Jesus told. And he, that, that we understand that, that a man in hell is begging heaven, saying, please, please don't let my brothers come here. And like I said, Hollywood and even cartoons show there's parties going on in hell and everybody wants you to go there and, hey, let's get in there. You know, hey. No, no, no. It's, it's a place of torments, plural. It's a place of flames and fire. It's a place that goes on for eternity. Amen? Amen. And, we, and we need to understand that and, and need to have that kind of 
and understand that hell's real, heaven's real. That when you see, see the, the the church and preachers and Christians like to tell somebody, you know, if you get saved, you'll you'll live forever. Well, the truth of the matter is, you're gonna live forever anyway. You're gonna live forever, eternity, all of eternity. You're gonna live. You're gonna live for all of eternity, either in heaven with God or in hell without God. But nobody that's ever been buried, every person that's ever died on this planet is still alive today. Still alive today and will be forever. Nobody has ceased to exist. Death, death doesn't mean ceasing to exist. Death means separation. You're, you're, you're separated. And, and that's what we need to understand. You're separated. Uh, whenever you die, you're separated to heaven or you're separated to hell, but you're you're still alive. Right. Mm. That's right. And we have to be the Holy Ghost interrupters to love people. A lot of Christians have never wanted so. A lot of pastors have never wanted so. And I teach people all the time. When so I'm in, I'm in, I've been in Bible schools all my days of my ministry, preaching in great Bible schools around the world, in the states as well, all over the states. And somebody during the during the course of time I'm there, they'll raise their hands. Say, Brother Terry, I say yes. Say, would you teach us to win souls? I said, Well, you're in Bible school. Nobody taught you to win souls. No, nobody's 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 ever taught us to win a soul. They told us we ought to win souls, but nobody's ever taught us how. I said, Well, sure, I'm a soul winner. I can teach. I, I can make you one. See, I always tell people, you're you're not born a soul winner. You're not a born soul winner. But I, you're you're not born. You're made, and I can make you one if you're willing. If you're, if you're willing to be made, I can make you. But you're not just a, a born soul. I take all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, all oh, thousands over over 20 some odd years of taking teenagers to, to Jamaica to win souls. And I always tell them, I don't, I don't expect you to know how to win souls when you get here. I'm going to teach you. I'm going I'm to train you. Can, you can be trained. You can be taught uh, what to do and how to. And it's already 12 o'clock. Renee's point never watched. I was going to go to long time. But I can quit. <laughs> Clarissa says no. She says never listen to Renee. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Say missionary call from heaven. I mean, excuse me, from hell. Missionary, missionary call, call from hell. hell. Let me give you another scripture. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16, verse 9 and 10. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man from Macedonia and prayed to him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. That's a missionary call from the heathen. Paul was asleep, and this vision came to him, and he saw a man from Macedonia. Now, Philippi is a city in the, in, the, in the province of Macedonia. It's like California is a state. Well, they, they have provinces there. And Macedonia was a province, and Philippi was a, was a city. And most Bible scholars believe, this may not be true, but whether it is or not doesn't make a lot of difference, but most, most Bible scholars believe that the guy Paul actually saw in the vision was the jailer in the, Philipp, in the Philippian jail where Paul got beat up and put in that prison, and then God did an earthquake and got him out. And the jailer said, I said, I'm going to kill myself. And Paul said, don't do yourself any harm. We're still here. And then he ended up going to that guy's house and starting a church. And so most scholars feel, doesn't have to be, but most scholars feel that that guy Paul saw in the vision was that 
jailer, and a lot of people believe he actually became the pastor of the Philippian church. Again, that may not be true either, but Bible scholars believe that. And, and that's where the Philippian church was started, out of that jailbreak. That is true. It, it started out of that jailbreak, and that church started supporting Paul in missions, became a missionary partner with him from that very day. Because Philippians 1 says, you have, you have from, your, from your inception, I thank God for our fellowship in the gospel, from the first day, Paul said. From the first day. From the first day. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1. I thank God for our fellowship in the gospel from the first day. He wasn't talking about the first day of his ministry. He had been a minister a long time. But the first day of them, them becoming a church. From the first day until now. Isn't that great? You can just stand yes. before God and say, I was a I was a partner with that ministry with Brother Hagan or Brother Copeland or Old Roberts or this guy or that guy or this missionary or that missionary. I was a partner in the first day. I mean, as soon as I found out about it, I, I jumped on and, and so that's a mission. We've got a missionary call from hell. Then we've got a missionary call from the heathen because they can't save themselves. And they know they can't save themselves. So they have to say, please, please help us. Please tell me. Please come over here, Paul. Please come over here and help us. See, see I grieve, Renee. You know I grieve. I talk to you about it every day. I grieve over that Pakistani crusade and things. They can't save themselves. They have to have a Christian come tell them about Jesus. They can't save themselves. They need help. They need churches that will send money, and they need they need preachers that will go preach. You know, Renee and I have been preaching in Pakistan on, on television ever since, and we've been taking our, our YouTube programs and paying to have them translated into the local language, which is Urdu. And, and showing them on on, Christ, on on King TV in Pakistan that goes to 82 different nations. And so we just got so mad, we just started, we're going to preach there one way or the other. In fact, I did a meeting the other day by, by television in, in Pakistan that was a, that's what I call a crusade message. Because what I preach to y'all is, is not a crusade message. What I preach in churches is not a crusade message. What I preach on YouTube is not a crusade message. I'm, I'm preaching to Christians. I'm teaching Christians the word. But see, a crusade message, you're not preaching to Christians. You can't say to those crusade people, you can't get in the crusade and say, uh, open your Bible. They don't have Bibles. Turn to First Thessalonians. They don't know what that is. I'm going to teach you the rhema and the Lord God. They don't know what any of that is. You have, you have to announce the gospel to them. It's all, it's all declarative statements that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. That God sent his son Jesus for your salvation. Yeah. That you're valuable to God. That if you'll call on Jesus, you'll be saved. You know, they're declarative statements. We're, we're with you. I'm not giving you declarative statements. I'm, I'm teaching you and teaching the word. All right. Two missionary calls. From where? Hell and the heathen. Let me give you one more and we're through. We're through. I'm not through, but the no. message will be through. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the world. Amen. Mark 16, 15 through 18. And he said unto them, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. To every creature that believes and baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be. Shall be what? Damn. For how long? Forever. To where? Hell. They'll be damned to hell for eternity if they don't believe what you're preaching and accept what you're preaching. But you got to go preach to them before they can accept it. What did Paul say in Romans chapter 10? He said, he said, all those old heathen have to do to get saved is just call on the name of the Lord. That's all they got to do. In the Philippines or in Pakistan, it doesn't matter where they are. All they got to do is call on the name of the Lord. They'll be saved. But then he asked four very pointed questions. He said, but 
how can they call on someone in whom they've not believed? Question two, how can they believe on someone in whom they've not heard? Question three, how can they hear without a preacher? Question four, how can the preacher go preach without somebody to send him? Lest they be sent. So Paul says, sure, all they got to do is call the name of the Lord, but it takes the church to send them. It takes somebody to go. What if the church wants to send and nobody will go? Somebody's got to send, somebody's got to go. We're all missionaries, either goers or senders. And then they hear... Then they believe, then they call, then they're saved. Hallelujah. Praise yeah. the Lord. Mark, uh, Luke 24, 47. Now remember, Dr. Luke was not with Jesus. He didn't know Jesus personally. He came along later. He's a, he's a, he's a medical doctor. And he interviewed the disciples and interviewed people. And then he wrote the book of Luke. And he also wrote the book of Acts, which he was there for. But he wrote the book of Luke based on interviews. And so here's what he said about the Great Commission. Verse 24, chapter 24 of Luke and verse 47. That, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among A-double-L, all nations beginning at Jerusalem. John 20, 21 through 23. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be to you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. The Great Commission in John. And then he said this. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Ghost. And then he said this powerful statement in verse 23. For whoever sins you remit, Brother Henry, they'll be remitted. But whoever sins you retain, Elisha, they'll be retained. Five times, or four times in the Gospels, and then in the book of Acts, five times Jesus gave us the Great Commission. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, Acts 1. Five times Jesus gave us the Great Commission, get the gospel to the world. Now let me give you one disclaimer that the church has a lot of trouble with. That People want to argue with me about this. All those scriptures that Jesus gave us about the Great Commission, all those scriptures, he's wanting us to go into the world and get people saved, right? All nations, all the world, beginning at Jerusalem, blah, 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 all, all that. But throughout history, from the, from the very beginning of the church, when Jesus, I mean, 2,000 years ago, the church, if you ask her all the way down to about 30 years ago, if you ask the Baptist, the Methodist, the Catholic, the Pentecostal, I don't care who, who it was, you, you went to any Christian and said, what's the Great Commission? They'd have told you it's getting the gospel to the world. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel with every creature, and he believes baptized shall be saved, and he believes not shall be damned. They would have told you that in the Catholic Church, the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, the Pentecostal Church. Every Christian knew that. But you know, starting about 30 years ago, the church changed that. And now, Clarissa, if you ask almost any Christian, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Pentecostal, if you ask them, what's the Great Commission? They'll say, making disciples. That just makes me so mad, I want to slap somebody. No, it's not making disciples. Jesus didn't say that. Matthew chapter... Let me go back to my scripture. Jesus came and said to them, All power is given to me in heaven and earth, Matthew 28. Go ye therefore and teach. Well, somebody about 30 years ago looked that word teach up in a concordance. 
Now, here's what I hate about concordances. I actually use one two or three times a year, but I hate them for the most part. Because what happens with the concordance is they take a Greek word or a Hebrew word, and then they give you a list of definitions, what it could mean. Sometimes there's three definitions, sometimes there's 20 on the word you're looking up. So what do you do as a human being? In just human nature, you're going to pick the one you like or the one that fits your sermon. So this word teach has a lot of definitions, and one of them is make Christians. Go into all the world and make Christians. But they didn't like that about 30 years ago. They went on down and found the one that says make disciples. And so they started preaching that Jesus said go into all the world and make disciples when he never, ever, 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 ever said that. What he said was go into all the world and teach or make Christians because if you look at those other four references in Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, he's talking about sinners and sin and getting saved and salvation. He's not talking about teaching Christians. I'm teaching Christians this morning. There's nothing wrong with that. I hope I'm making some disciples this morning. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't confuse that, Elisha, with missions. I don't confuse that with the Great Commission. I don't confuse that with what Jesus actually said about going into all the world. Now, look, look at Mark's gospel. He said very plainly that if they believe, go into all the world. And if they believe, they'll be saved. If they believe not, they'll be damned. That's very plainly talking about sinners being born again. Right? That's not talking about teaching Christians. Then Luke, he said that repentance, listen to these two words that Luke said, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Luke's very plainly talking about repentance and remission of sins. He's talking about sinners getting saved. He's not talking about teaching Christians. He's talking about talking to Christian sinners and getting them saved. John, he says, as my father sent me, John 20, so send I you. Whoever sins you you remit, they're remitted to them, and whoever sins you retain, they're retained to them. He's talking very, very plainly, Tanya, about talking to sinners and getting them saved and getting them uh, uh, their sins remitted. And then in Acts, you receive power when the Holy Ghost has come on you. Be a witness to me, both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the He's talking very plainly in all those passages about going and preaching the gospel and getting people saved. And the church has changed it now to, oh, just make disciples. So churches have watered down missions and watered down the Great Commission. And they say, oh, you don't have to go do that. Terry, it's okay you didn't go to Pakistan and preach to 100,000 Muslims. It's okay. As long as you, as long as you just go ahead and teach the Christians and, and, and make disciples out of the Christian. No, 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 no. Nothing wrong with making disciples. It's just not the Great Commission. Teaching Christians, nothing wrong with it. It's just not the Great Commission. So anyway, we have three missionary calls. We have a missionary call from hell, a missionary call from the healing, and lastly, we have a missionary call from heaven where Jesus himself is saying, get the gospel to the world. Three missionary calls. I was going to tell you some miracle stories, but Renee says I can't. So, praise the Lord. Did you get something out of that? I know you're used to me normally just teaching you faith and how to get prosperous and blessed and healed and all that, which is all wonderful. But the purpose of the church is missions. The purpose of you being a Christian, besides you going to heaven, is taking somebody with you. 
You don't want to go to heaven by yourself. You don't you don't want to get to heaven and, and Jesus looks at you and say, Uh, where are the sheaves? Where are the sheaves to lay at my feet? Oh Lord, I'm I'm I was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. Lord, I was the word person of the word person. I was the faith person of the faith people. Lord, I, I brought all my tapes with me and all my CDs and all my all my I brought my concordance and all my Greek and Hebrew. No, no, no. Where where are the sheaves? to lay at the master's feet. Where are the, where are the souls? I died for souls. Well, that's right. See, Jesus never died for a Christian. He only died for sinners. And if we're going to take him something to heaven, you can't take money, you can't take your CDs and your tapes, your books. you got to just you got to take him sheaves. you got to take him souls and lay at the master's feet. Say, Lord, I took your word and your name and your blood and I redeemed the lost. I redeemed the sinners. I, I have sheaves to lay at your feet. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I've only ever, ever, ever had two enemies, the clock and the calendar, and they're both marching. I don't like either one of them. But I thank you for the word this morning of three missionary calls, a call from hell. Please don't let anybody else come to this place at one a call from the heathen, please come over here and help us. We can't help ourselves. Please come tell us about Jesus. And a call from heaven, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be rescued, shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Three missionary calls from the heathen, excuse me, from hell, from the heathen, and from heaven. So, Father, I pray this word goes into our spirit today. It's written on the tables of our heart today that we realize today we are missionaries. We're either goers or we're senders. We'll either go ourselves or we'll send somebody else, but we, in fact, are missionaries called by God, anointed by God, and commanded by God to get the gospel to the world. We're not, we're not trying to get out of this. We're not just going to say, I pass. I'm not going to play. We must, M-U-S-T, must be involved in a world that costs God his son and costs Jesus his blood. We must be involved in world evangelism and salvation and soul winning and not letting people go to hell, Father. We must interrupt them. Make us interrupters, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Father, when we see one of our old high school buddies at, 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 at the mall or at a restaurant, let us go over to him and say, Hey, buddy, good to see you. You, you remember what a mess I was in high school? Well, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. You remember how messed up I used to be? Let me tell you what's going on now. And that nobody, Brother Osteen used to tell us, John Osteen used to tell us, nobody can tell your testimony like you. Nobody has your testimony. Use us, Father, to give our testimony. Use us to rescue people. Use us to interrupt people. And, Father, that we'll come to heaven and lay sheaves at your feet. Lay sheaves at the Master's feet. We'll not come empty-handed. And we thank you for it and give you glory and honor and praise, majesty and dominion in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Praise the Lord. Well, sir. You better come rescue these folks. That was awesome. Awesome. Can we give Brother Terry and Mr. Nahan clap? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
We are going to take up an offering for them and uh, their great soil. And his mission statement has been the same. It's uh, giving living bread to dying men all around the world. Amen. And I meditate that and I start weeping. Uh, still, that, that is an awesome statement. And that's their mission. That's his calling. He's been doing it for over 50 years. So praise God forevermore. If you're online and like to partner with them again, you can go to terrymize.com and scroll down. And there's a partner link right there. You can do that. There's also a donation link if you'd like to give to them directly. But uh, just mark them, their name and our offering, and everything that you give for them will go directly to them and their ministry, and then some. Amen. We will make sure to get that over to them. Again, if you'd like to give a, a gift personally to them, I don't think they'd mind that either. But um, praise God forevermore. And let's just pray over this offering. Heavenly Father, we thank you. It's a privilege to be able to give into the gospel and into missions. And to give living bread to dying men all around this world. Thank you, Lord, for using us. Thank you, Lord, that we're called and that we're sent. If we're called to stay behind, we send those who are to go forward. We thank you, Lord, for every blessing you've provided for us. Use it for the kingdom, Lord. Use it for the gospel. Use it to win souls the Great Commission with. We give it over to you, Father God. We sow into good soil and good ground. And we bless you, Lord, for everything you've blessed us with in return. We thank you, Lord, for a hundredfold return on every seed sown that your word promises to support the gospel with. We bless you, Father, for open windows of heaven, pouring out on us such blessings there's not room enough to receive them, so we have to spread them into all the earth, into all the earth. Thank you, Father. We bless them. We thank you, Lord, for their time and their commitment and for being with us today. In Jesus' precious name. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Well, thank you both so much again. <laughs> amen, amen. Do we have communion today or no? No, no communion today. Okay. I was going to have Pastor uh, Henry lead us in that time. <laughs> Praise God. We'll do that another time. But thank you again online for being with us, and thank you for coming out. Happy Saturday. We love you guys. Can we give another hand clap? Thank you again. Love you guys. Because of something that